Hello, thanks for listening. It's September 24th, 2019. My name is Jeff Ford, and this is Future Vision, the show where I rant to you about the science and tech articles I've read online this past week, mostly because everybody in my real life is sick of hearing about it. That is a direct quote, by the way. To start things out, I have a huge announcement. I am going to live forever. I know what you're thinking. Oh, this guy, is, he's just insane. That makes sense. And that's perfectly fair. I get why you would think that. And maybe you're right. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But what I do know is that I'm going to live forever. And I become more and more convinced about the truthfulness of that ridiculous statement every time I read an article like I did today on Forbes.com where they say, at least according to scientists at Stanford Medical Center, they have proven that epigenetic aging can be reversed in humans. The researchers, whose findings were published yesterday in Aging Cell, want to warn that their clinical study was pretty small and it lacked a control group. However, they do say they are optimistic that a person's biological age could be turned back. In the study, the authors wrote, Epigenetic clocks can now surpass chronological age in accuracy, for estimating biological age. In the study, nine people took a combination of three drugs, including growth hormone and two diabetes medicines, for a year. And at the end of it, not only did the participants drop an average of 2.5 years off their biological ages, but their immune systems showed clinical signs of rejuvenation. But if you don't want to take my word for it, that's okay. I won't be hurt. Here's Dr. David Sinclair explaining it much better than I can on a recent episode of the Joe Rogan Experience. The great, great thing about that uh, study is, first of all, I, I was with the first, uh, the main author on that paper uh, while it came out. The guy there, uh, Steve Horvath is his name. Uh, he and I and a couple of other guys are trying to figure out uh, not just why we age, why we don't have to, but is aging uh, truly reversible? And that's what this study suggests, is that it's not just about slowing down aging, but one day we could be 80, but biologically 30. Now, when we're talking about the biological age, how is that measured? Is this measured by the length of the telomeres? Is this measured by physical performance? Is it measured by a combination of these factors? It's none of that. No. It's something brand new. Ooh. Most people don't know about it. So it's called the Horvath clock. And what Horvath and others have discovered is that if you read the DNA, and you don't just look at the letters, A-C-T-G, if you look at what's on the letter C, cytosine is called, there are chemical modifications. And those chemicals change as we get older in very linear and predictable ways. And if you use a computer, AI, you can say, if I took your blood sample right now, I could read your DNA, look at those chemical groups on the Cs, and I could say, you are, okay, you're 52, you might be 46, according to that clock, uh, and also I could predict when you're going to die. Whoa. Scary thought, right? Yeah, like a fortune teller. 
Yeah. But the good news is, well, now that we know what's not just uh, measuring aging, we actually think that clock is part of the aging process. We're learning how to reverse it too. We've only had this Horvath clock over the last few years in humans uh, being used widely. Uh, but I think as we use this clock, uh, we're going to figure out that a whole bunch of stuff that we do and things that we can do and combine will not just slow aging, but reverse it. And not just by two and a half years. Eventually, and some of the technology that I talk about in my book, we think could turn the clock back by a decade or more. The amazing thing about uh, where we are now today with aging, um, and we're right on the cutting edge, so it's great to be able to share this with your listeners, is this clock, it's uh, changes on the DNA, right? What I'm saying uh, uh, in my theory of, uh, of aging is that it's not the DNA that we lose. That's the old theory, you know, the old idea that antioxidants hurt the DNA. Yes. Just throw that out for a while, uh, maybe forever. What I think is going on is that the DNA is getting modified and the cell can't read the DNA the way it used to. Okay, that's really important. And so the clock is not just a clock. It's not a clock on the wall. It's also, if you move the hands of the clock, time changes. Water has been found in habitable super-Earth's atmosphere for the first time. That's the headline of a story I read on astronomy.com today. According to the article, astronomers have finally uncovered water vapor in the atmosphere of a super-Earth exoplanet orbiting around the habitable zone of its star. The find means that liquid water could also exist on the rocky world's surface, potentially even in the form of a global ocean. According to the astronomers who made the discovery, this serves as the first detection of water vapor in the atmosphere of such a planet. And because the planet, called K218b, probably supports a temperature similar to the Earth, the newfound water vapors makes the world one of the most promising candidates for follow-up studies with next-generation space telescopes like the James Webb Space Telescope that we talked about on the last episode of Future Vision. The planet is about 110 light-years away in the constellation Leo, and it orbits a pretty small red dwarf star that's about one-third the mass of our own sun. Although the planet's orbit brings it about twice as close to its star as Mercury is to the sun, the researchers say that the planet is receiving similar radiation to the Earth. And based on calculations, the temperature of the planet is also similar to the temperature of the Earth. In the paper released by the researchers, they suggest that K218b has a temperature between about minus 73 degrees Celsius and 47 degrees Celsius. For reference, the temperatures on Earth can span anywhere from below minus 84 degrees Celsius in regions like Antarctica to above 49 degrees Celsius in places like Africa, Australia, and some portions of the southwestern United States. Although K218b does have very similar 
Earth-like features like water, habitable temperatures, and a rocky surface, the researchers point out that the world is still far off from Earth-like. It is a super-Earth having roughly twice the diameter of Earth and about eight times the mass. Now, unfortunately, Hubble telescope can't probe the atmospheres of distant exoplanets in really great detail. But hopefully, soon, next-generation telescopes like the James Webb Space Telescope will be able to give us a much better idea of whether K218b will be the next cool vacation spot. K218b isn't the only big space discovery made in the past few days. A Ukrainian amateur astronomer has discovered a comet that may have come from another star system. Astronomers believe that the object spotted by Gennady Borisov on August 30th was moving too fast for it to be captured by our sun's gravity, which is a sign that it's most likely an interstellar interloper. If that's all confirmed that it did come from outside of our solar system, that would only be the second ever object like that discovered coming after the 2017 discovery of the comet known as Umamu. Unlike Umamu, though, which was only discovered on its way out of our solar system, this new one called C2019Q4 is still on the inbound. It will be making its closest approach to the sun on December 7th and will come closest to Earth within 180 million miles on December 29th. According to Michelle Bannister, an astronomer at Queen's University Belfast, this is the first highly active object that we've seen coming in from something that formed around another star. Bannister says that observations of C2019Q4 can't pick up in earnest until mid-October because of its position relative to the sun, but then for months to come afterwards, astronomers will be able to study the object for up to a year. If you remember back in 2017 when Umamu was a hot topic of conversation on the internet, there was a lot of buzz that it may actually not even be a comet at all. It may be an alien spacecraft. That rumor picked up steam because Umamu didn't keep racing along at the same rate. After flinging around the sun, it unexpectedly sped up. Some explanations for that was that Umamu was a spacecraft using a solar sail sent by an alien civilization to study us. That's creepy. Umamu left behind many mysteries that will really never be solved, which is why the prospect of studying C-2019 Q4 in even greater detail has thrilled astronomers. And you never know, really, once we get that James Webb Space Telescope up there, we can maybe have a better look at this. 
and possibly see little green men inside the cockpit waving at us. Possibly. It's not that crazy, is it? Maybe it is. I don't know. September 28th, this Saturday, mark it on your calendar. It's going to be a very, very exciting day. Not only is it my mother's birthday, happy birthday, mom. If you're wondering what to get her, she could always use a new Shih Tzu. But it's also SpaceX's annual presentation day, where Elon Musk will update all of us on the progress being made towards the company's starship, the ship that will be taking human beings to Mars. If you don't have to spare the two and a half hours these presentations usually last, you if you do, you can watch it on YouTube. But if you don't have the time to spare, don't worry. I got your back. On the next episode of Future Vision, I will give you my bozo rundown of everything Elon has to say. Should be very exciting. I'm looking forward to it. That will be on the next episode of Future Vision. And I got to apologize, you know. You're holding up your end of the bargain with this show. You come out, you listen, and I'm not really holding up mine. I haven't been producing episodes as often as I should, as often as I'd like to. You know, life gets in the way, and ah, there's plenty of excuses. But I will try to get better. I'm working on new methods to get these episodes out quicker. And I'm possibly even thinking of a rebrand of the show. I'm not too sure about that yet, though. We'll we'll have to see how it goes. I don't know. Let me know. Are you happy with the show? Are you you thinking I could make some changes? Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at PodFutureVision. I got one follower. We're on the board. Anyway, so that's it for today's episode. Uh, We'll catch you again soon. Thanks for listening. Peace out.